Welcome into a special episode of Dig City Purdue Volleyball, a podcast hosted by myself, Daniel Gilman, the voice of the Purdue Boilermakers, alongside the head coach of the volleyball team here in West Lafayette, Indiana, Dave Shondell. Coach, how you doing after a few scrimmages getting ready for the start of the season? Uh, eagerly awaiting that first match. Uh, you know, we are practicing hard and I think we're making good progress, but until you play that first match, it's kind of hard to determine how your, your squad will face another opponent, but we're looking forward to it. Last episode, we really highlighted the freshmen and the offseason for these teams and the coaching staff for Purdue. This episode, we're just going to go solely week by week, essentially, month by month towards this rigorous schedule for the Boilermakers. Purdue picks sixth in the Big Ten. They are 17th in the AVCA preseason poll, and they start on September 1st, this upcoming Sunday at 2 o'clock against a team from Athens, Ohio, the Bobcats. Let's talk about these uh, these back-to-back MAC opponents, a little bit of action here with Ohio followed by Ball State on Tuesday night. Well, I grew up with the MAC, uh, being at a Ball State University, so I certainly uh, am a fan of the Mid-American Conference, and they play good volleyball. Uh, in the MAC, and Ohio University and Ball State have probably been the two traditional powers over the last 15, 20, 25 years in that league. And so it's nice to have both those teams coming into Holloway Gym. Um, Dean Webb, a friend of mine that uh, runs the show over at Ohio U, is a, a good coach. He's a skilled coach. Um, they've dropped off a little bit, a lot of that due to some injuries and some departures, but. Uh, he is excited about the team this year. They finished pretty well last year, at, uh, late in the year. We're playing their best volleyball. He's excited to get some some bodies back in the gym. And uh, they, they'll be a good athletic opponent for us on that Sunday 2 o'clock start. And then Ball State, who's coached by uh, two Purdue alumni, Kelly Miller, the head coach, and Tiffany Fisher, the assistant there. Uh, always nice to have them back into uh, our gym and, and play them. And I have not seen the MAC expectations, uh, if, the, if their preseason poll has even been released yet. But in listening to people, they feel like Ball State might be the top team in the West and Ohio might be second fiddle to Miami in the East. So two of the better teams in the Mid-American Conference coming in here. Ball State did graduate some uh, skill players. Uh, they have a lot of their... Um, middle blockers back, uh, and their setter is back. Uh, two all, two all Mac players return, and a very very good freshman class coming in. So, um, again, the Mac is a good good league. It's a really good way for us to start. We're hoping that both teams are really good because we need them to win twenty plus matches this season to benefit you know Purdue's RPI. They faced each other in the second round of the Mac tournament last year. Ball State victorious in five sets. The Cardinals went on to the NIVC after winning their second straight Mac West title. And taking a look at both of these teams, coach, they feature the last two setters of the year in the conference, the 2018 setter of the year for Ball State, the 2017 for Ohio, and then two of the best middles in the conference as well. So now let me ask you, what's the biggest difference with starting off a season like this, late, in, late, a little bit later in the year, and also without the three games in two weekends format that we had the last few seasons? We're going to find out you know, what the difference will be. I like the schedule, to be honest. At first, I was worried about it because you're used to opening up with a four-team tournament here and, and uh, on the weekend, on a Friday night, the first night that you're allowed to play, have a full house of you know rowdy students in here. We're not going to be able to do that this year because uh, the tournament that we had uh, crumbled 
Um, it's, it's getting harder and harder, Daniel, to put together the kind of tournaments that you want to. Everybody is being very cautious about their scheduling. They want to play great teams to help their RPI. They don't want to get beat. Some only want to play one match a day. Some don't mind playing two matches a day. They prefer to play two. So it's getting tougher uh, to put the schedule together. That being said, our first really two weeks, two weekends, consist of Ohio U on a Sunday, Ball State on a Tuesday, both at home, and then going to play Notre Dame on that Friday. And then we're off until the following weekend when we go down to Nashville to play uh, Louisville and then the, uh, either Lipscomb or Xavier in a second match there. So that's kind of our first three weeks. So really five five matches in the, the first three weekends, which is certainly a lot different. But I like it because you got more time to prepare and you got more time to train in between and, and have your team getting better all the time. And we get to see this young team with only four upperclassmen, two seniors and two juniors, and then a bevy of underclassmen here go on the road. Back-to-back Fridays, as you mentioned, one at Notre Dame and then a neutral site game against Louisville. Both ACC teams, both teams that you faced last season, what's the early prognosis of the Atlantic Coastal Conference in your opinion? Well, I would venture to say that both Notre Dame and Louisville will be in the top three or four uh, when those... Uh, reports come out as far as their, their poll. Louisville may be the favorite. Pitt would have been. They lost their setter in uh, uh, preseason training. And so Louisville might be the favorite there. There's Florida State, there's North Carolina, there's Duke, and a few others. But I really believe Notre Dame is getting better and better under Mike Johnson. Uh, they'll be young, kind of like us, uh, but talented and, and disciplined. And playing at Notre Dame will not be an an easy task for us, but we always look forward to going up and playing our friends from South Bend. And then a a big challenge down at Lipscomb in the tournament at Nashville, opening with Louisville. And uh, the way that format is now, Daniel, it's been changed with the four teams that started out playing around Robin here a year ago. Uh, Coaches have opted to have more of a tournament format. So uh, for the next three years, regardless of the site, Louisville will play Purdue in one match and Xavier will play Lipscomb in the second match and then the losers will play and the winners will play and that's the basically how that's going to work for the next three years I like that I think the uh, the competition is going to bring out a little bit more fun at least for the fans as well as opposed to seeing the round robin formats that'll be exciting Louisville will be the first ranked opponent of almost a, a dozen matches against top 25 teams obviously the rankings will be fluid so they might either be in the top 20 by september 13th or who knows it could fall out and then we've got the marquee rematch of the second round game against the uh the muncie buddy down in uh down in uh, skinner in lexington a wednesday night game i know that that kind of formulated late in the off season talk to us about your expectations for this young team against a veteran bunch that looks like they could be poised for another late run in December in Kentucky. Well, the Kentucky match to a coach seems like a long time away when you've got uh, four matches, actually five matches to play before that. But Kentucky is uh, uh, ranked seventh in the country right now. Um, they're playing a, a strong non-conference schedule, but I assume that they'll stay a top-10 team. Very talented, lost a, a good middle, but they have everybody else uh, back with some some good recruits that are coming in. Skinner is one of the top coaches in the country. I saw he just signed a new contract with a really good extension and a nice raise. So congratulations to uh, former Ball State uh, volley card 
Craig Skinner for, for that. But that will be fun to go down there and play again. We can't play worse than we played last year when we were down there. And I, actually, I'm just being honest. That was a, we had two really bad matches where I thought we played well below our level last year. One of those was at Kentucky. Of course, you give you know, Kentucky credit for that. Then maybe they did some things that, that forced us to uh, play at, at that level. Maybe they served the right people. Maybe they served tough. Maybe their, their blocking scheme took certain people out of it. So you certainly give credit to the opponent. But we were not very good that night. And uh, we would like to go down and show the people in the state of Kentucky that that we have a pretty good ball club this year. And as we wrap up pre-conference play, we, of course, have the annual Stacy Clark Classic, September 20th. Two matches, one against Texas A&M Corpus Christi from the Southland Conference and then against Murray State from the Ohio Valley Conference. And we're going to really be able to, you know, see this team play those two games in one day and then one game the next day against Eastern Michigan those three teams, you know, another situation, as you mentioned, every year you kind of go for go for broke, essentially, is in scheduling and hope that they can have either bounce-back seasons or another brilliant year. As, as we see these teams looking for bounce-back years, Texas A&M Corpus Christi last season was 9-21. and Murray State last season in the Ohio Valley Conference, they had a fantastic season, yeah. won their conference hard, tournament. Hard to bounce back from that season when, you, when you're when you in the NCAA tournament and you win your league and have a, have a great squad. Eastern Michigan also won the MAC tournament. So those are two NCAA tournament teams that will be here, and, and we always hope that the teams go on to have a, a great season because we're in a world where RPI means everything. And so we, we need to make sure – you schedule teams that you think have a chance to win the 20 matches. and um, But that, that, that will be a, ch- uh, a good tournament for us heading into Big Ten play. Um, Eastern Michigan, you know, kind of surprised everybody when they won the, the tournament title last year in the MAC. Came out of nowhere, had to win four matches in four days to do that. But uh, give them credit for doing that. Murray State is a good squad with a good program, well coached. We saw them play Kentucky last year. Uh, at the sub-regional in Lexington, and I was impressed with the athleticism that their team showed. Don't know much about uh, A&M Corpus Christi, except that their coach has got a lot of energy and is really working hard down there. But just to remind people, Stacy Clark, who this tournament is named for, uh, passed away from cancer uh, a few years ago and was, without a doubt, the best supporter we, we, we've had emotionally for our volleyball program and not only did she support volleyball she supported a lot of the other teams here and so um, you know we we like to honor her by uh, playing well in this tournament and that will be our last event before we get into Big Ten play. And that match against Kentucky I remember it pretty well trying to scout whoever was going to be the winner they lost in three tight sets 18, 17, and 19. We're talking about Murray State the uh their fourth NCAA tournament last season, and they have one of the most fantastic liberos in all of the the non-Power 5 in Becca Fernandez and a fantastic left-side hitter in Rachel Justino. So I'm excited to see that matchup as well. As we move on to conference play, we can give you guys a breakdown if you haven't seen the Big Ten preseason poll yet. As Blake Moeller was named a preseason All-Big Ten member, Purdue sitting at 6th. With Wisconsin, Nebraska, and Minnesota, the top three, Penn State and Illinois rounding out the top five, and Purdue edging out Michigan and Ohio State with the six, seven, eight there. What are your initial thoughts of that preseason poll? Well, I think there are a lot of good teams in the Big Ten. And um, probably I think there, there might be 12 teams that are worthy of being top 25. Certainly 12 teams that, 
given certain circumstances, would be an NCAA tournament team by the end of the season. But that won't happen. We won't get 12 teams. Uh, mathematically, it's almost impossible out of our league to make the tournament. But it's a strong tournament. Uh, the teams with, with tradition and had great years a year ago are at the top of the pack. And those that might have struggled a year ago um, were toward the bottom. I, I, I don't put a lot of stock, to be honest, in uh, what a preseason poll is because so many coaches, um, if it's a coach's poll or a media, if it's a media poll, look at various things. And you really have to wait for three or four weeks before you can learn um, much about it. But I think the league is going to be very, very tough. Um, I think from 1 through 12, it will be as tight as it has ever been in our league. And that's not saying there aren't going to be some teams that will be outstanding because I think that there will be. We saw Wisconsin this spring, and they were the the team picked to win uh, the league this year. And uh, they're very talented, led by Dana Retke, who may be the most dominant player in the country uh, in in the college game. So uh, it it will be a really, really good league, and you better – be prepared to play every time you step on the floor. And right off the bat, we're going to head over towards Madison for that first game of conference play on the road on September 27th and 8 p.m. affair, followed by Minnesota. Back-to-back games against top three teams in the Big Ten, top five teams in the nation. Minnesota ranked third in the preseason poll, nationally Wisconsin at five. But it's crazy to see a team ranked fifth in the preseason poll and then pick to win what is widely considered the best conference in all of volleyball. And as we look at Wisconsin and Dana Redke, a star player who is possibly headed to Japan in the Olympics with, you know, our own Annie Drews, how can you see this opening weekend, you know, panning out in a best case scenario? What does Purdue need to do to kind of settle down what are you know, the firecrackers of both of these teams. We can go one at a time with Wisconsin first. Yeah, I, I'm not going to get into what we need to be able to do. I don't even know what our team can do yet. So uh, to try to evaluate what we're going to need to do, it would be a, a real stretch. I just know that we, we saw, we've seen Wisconsin, and not only do they have uh, two really good middles, they got a right side player that had to be very close to making the preseason team in Madison Duello, and they got two outsides that have been – um, fixtures for for their program for the last couple of seasons. They have one of the better setters in the country. Uh, they have two liberos, one that probably could have started at Minnesota and one that started last year at um, Wisconsin, and another player that uh, Dodge, who came there to, to be the libero before they had some transfers come in and ease her out. But um, they're just a really good team, and they're well-coached. And you, you know Kelly is always going to have his team prepared to play Purdue um, as, as he always does. But uh, we'll, we'll get, that's the only chance we get to play with Wisconsin. It's the opening match of the season. And so we'll have to have um, you know, our work in to, to go up there. And then with Hugh McCutcheon's uh, Minnesota team, they lost one of the best setters that this league had seen for a long time. She's currently training with Team USA and was magical in how she got uh, Minnesota to go to a, a new level uh, during her time, her four years, where she met, where she started every single game. I mean, she was just outstanding as a player. And uh, But they've also got great talent. Uh, Sam and Day on the right sides, one of the best opposites in America, two good outsides that, that bang the ball, one a little bit unheralded and, and one that's been around for for a long time in heart, that's a high flyer. Morgan, who probably is the highest efficiency hitter in the country in one middle spot. Now, the question will be is, how, you know, how good is a setter that's going to come in and, and take the place 
uh, of Selsky. So that's kind of where we are with that one. And um, it'll be a, it'll be a fun weekend to play. You know, two teams that at that point in time may be in the top, you know, four in the country. And looking at Wisconsin, you mentioned, you know, they got the transfer. That's Lauren Barnes, who went from Minnesota to Wisconsin. She actually uh, put together a waiver and got it cleared so that she can play in this upcoming season for the Badgers in her junior season. And then taking a look at Minnesota, you talk about, you know, a new setter. They got a transfer from UCLA and Kylie Miller playing in her final season. So she will, we don't know if she's going to start. They have a freshman, uh, Tamara DeLonga, and they also have another setter who's been with them for a year in Bailey McMenamin. So a lot of new faces for Minnesota as they obviously said goodbye to Samantha Seliger-Swenson. And as we take a look at that that opening weekend, and then those outside hitters, you mentioned Alexis Hart, the senior, a uh, preseason Big Ten nominee for back-to-back years, and then Adonna Rollins, who absolutely smacks the ball. Really excited for that opening trip. Last year, we went out there and nearly took down Wisconsin in three sets. What kind of uh, what kind of a lesson can be learned from that five set loss in Wisconsin that can be taken from you know the girls and the women on this team that were here last season and have grown in a year and now get to go to Wisconsin for the opening match of conference play? Well, you know, fortunately, we had a lot of people on our team this year that made that trip, so at least they know where they're going and what the what the facility looks like and. What a nice crowd that uh, Wisconsin will have in that venue. Aside from that, it's two different teams. Um, even though both teams bring plenty of, uh, of their athletes back, it's, it's a different year, it's a different team, and your competitiveness of the teams will be different this year than they were last year. And it was, a, it was a fun match last year, one that we had an opportunity to win in three, but instead we allowed uh, the Badgers to come back and, and, and get that win. Um, and again, those are the kind of wins you need to get if you want to host. You know, we, and we got one at, P- at Penn State. We had an opportunity to get this one from Wisconsin. We let it go. That might have been the difference of us hosting and not hosting. And then another early season home meeting with the Northwestern Wildcats. And you talk about a different team. Shane Davis's group was banged up when we saw them last season in September, a four-set win for Purdue. And now we're going to see them the first weekend of October this team is is talented. They had a very strong run in the second half of last season. Coming into this season, ranked 12th in the preseason poll. It, it's crazy to look at this preseason poll, Coach, because this talent on this team, led by you know Nia Robinson or Nia Robinson, yeah. excuse me, yeah. and then they've got Danielle Williams, a fantastic opposite side hitter, and some solid defense here for Northwestern is is definitely not going to be you know there's no cupcakes here in the Big Ten. Yeah, I don't think that they're undervalued because they're 12th in the preseason poll, a lot of that, again, is just where have they been. And a lot of people just want to write down something that that is comfortable for them. But I do think they're going to be a really good team this year, and they've always given us trouble regardless of what year it might be. They're going to get some help from an outstanding freshman, uh, a couple of freshmen, I think, that are going to contribute to that team. So when I mentioned earlier that I think there are 12 teams that are NCAA-worthy, I believe that Northwestern is one of those, and Shane will do a great job of coaching them up. And uh, they're going to cause people problems this season, more than they did a year ago when they were beat up half the time. Um, So I look for Northwestern to be one of those teams that, that takes a jump in the standings this year. Then a day off and a Sunday afternoon game on uh, national TV against the Final Four team in Illinois. Second Final Four matchup so far in this season as we're on October 6th. And Illinois is another team that lost a USA setter in Jordan Poulter and an 
you know, national All-American in Ali Bastinelli, and we saw them twice in the spring. What are your early, you know, inclinations and breakdowns of Chris Thomas's bunch? They're a very athletic, very physical team. Um, it's tough to lose a Jordan Poulter. Uh, she was um, much like Carlini for Wisconsin, just as absolutely willed their teams to wins. Uh, but if you're going to find replacements, they've got a couple pretty good ones, both that have received a lot of accolades uh, during their time as both high school prep and, and college players. So uh, I think Chris is fortunate that he's got two terrific um, floor generals to step in in the stead of Poulter. And then Bastinelli is another big loss, uh, one of the best blockers that the Big Ten has seen in the, in the 17 years that I've been here. But he's got plenty of talent. And uh, a player that I have not seen is Bruna. Uh, I, don't, I think that's pronounced close to uh, appropriate. Uh, a foreign athlete that is big and physical that I know that the fans over there are expecting some big things from. So uh, Illinois will be very good. And again, you know, that, it's, a, it's a really tough start uh, to the season when, with that kind of a slate. But there's not going to be an easy time to the season if you're going to be in this league. So you have to find a way to really get excited about the opportunity because when you play great teams, wins help you uh, in regard to the NCAA tournament time. Illinois picked fifth just ahead of Purdue in the Big Ten, and uh, Coach references the Croatian redshirt freshman Bruno Vrankovic, who was uh, redshirting last season from split Croatia. She's on the senior Croatian national team. She's obviously going to be alongside Jacqueline Quaid, the first team All-American, and it's going to be interesting to see because in the spring scrimmage, the spring matches we saw against Illinois, they had a bit of a split at setter. We saw the transfer from Auburn, the Illinois native uh, Micah Allison play a little bit, and then she played a little bit on the front row. And we saw the redshirt freshman Diana Brown, who was a member of the college national team in the World University Games this summer out in Italy. So Brown played a little bit. Allison played a little bit. They ran a little 6-2. Fantastic back row defense for Illinois as they'll be returning the junior libero Morgan O'Brien. So a fantastic little weekend there to really test this bunch at home in their first home conference matches before we get an early season rivalry match at Indiana, October 9th on a Wednesday. Last season, you know, Purdue took home the the rivalry again. They they swept Indiana, a five-setter though, and now we'll head to a new, brand new, renovated gym and a pumped-up team, second year as a... As head coach out there for Indiana and Steve Aird, and as always in a rivalry match, tensions are high, and no matter what the talent disparity is, although I don't think there's much this year, it's always going to be a fun, tight game on the road. Yeah, that's one of the the matches I'm sure that uh, Purdue people are looking forward to any time that you get a chance to to play in a new building like Indiana has. Uh, Wilkinson Hall, I believe, is the is the name. Um, it's exciting. You know, we've been going to um, University Gym for, well, 16 years since I've been here and long before that for uh, Purdue fans and now a chance to uh, play at a site that's actually on campus uh, right next to Assembly Hall uh, near the basketball training facility will be a lot of fun. And uh, Steve Aird has done as good of a job uh, as any coach in firing up a campus and uh, and uh, changing a culture um, 
that, that you're going to find, which is exactly what he needed he needed to do because they had not won at the level that uh, I think the administration and the, and the fans had hoped. So that that will be a, a, a classic matchup because it, it's a huge rivalry in this in this state, as anybody knows. And as you mentioned, it really doesn't matter what year or what the records are. Um, you can expect a, a real Donnie Brook, and I think that the level of the Donnie Brook of the brouhaha will probably go to a higher level when you're playing uh, in front of more people and, and more people care. So I'm, we're excited and good good for Steve and, and the Hoosiers because you can you can sense that there's a lot of excitement down there right now. Aired after coming over from Maryland in his first season, finished 16 and 15. It looked like Indiana might have been a bubble team, but they kind of faltered towards the end of November, finishing conference play 7 and 13. But the return of Kendall Bierman in her fifth season after suffering a, a tough knee injury last year, they'll be loaded with uh, Dacia Lofton coming back, the second team All Big Ten middle coming as a senior. And they got not one, not two, not three, but five transfers a Creighton transfer, a Votek transfer, an Arizona transfer, LSU and Louisville. So five transfers, four of them from Power 5 conferences. So there's no doubt in uh, in my mind that Indiana will be locked and loaded for another tight match here with Purdue before the Boilermakers go back on the road from a Wednesday at Indiana to a Saturday at Northwestern and then stay on the road for another Wednesday affair. And I'll tell you right now, this is the one that I'm most excited for. I've never been to Lincoln, Nebraska. I've never seen 8,000 fans root on a volleyball match. Can you just tell anyone and, and kind of explain, at least to me and all the listeners who have not been out there, what it's like to play in Nebraska and what it's like to play a team like the Huskers? Do we actually play Northwestern twice in, in a in a Almost a week? Eight days, yep. Northwestern on Friday, the October okay, really. 4th, I mean, I and knew, then the 12th. I knew it was something like that, but that's a pretty quick turnaround uh, with them. Um, uh, Nebraska is is a great experience for any um, volleyball fan that hasn't had the opportunity to. It, it's fun to be up in Lincoln. I, I, I think their fans are phenomenal. Um, they know the game of volleyball. They love the game of volleyball. The one thing that's unique, Daniel, when you go to Lincoln is a lot of places you'll go in and you've got this big, athletic, talented team and they want to know whether or not they're a basketball team, you know, or what do you guys play. Um, when you go to Lincoln, they know exactly who you are and they probably know what your record is and what your ranking is. And, and again, that's what makes, makes it special. You know, Terry Pettit got it started at Nebraska. John Cook has done a terrific job of keeping the fire burning and taking it to a new level. Um, anytime you have the success that uh, Nebraska has had in national tournament play, um, it, it just makes a statement about what John Cook can do. And uh, I'm, I've, I've always been impressed with John, and, and the more I get to know him, the more impressed I am uh, with his ability to relate and develop uh, volleyball players. And um, playing in that venue is, is a treat. We've, we've actually played pretty well most of the time that we have gone there. I think big-time players play well in big-time environments, whether it's your crowd or their crowd, uh, TV or not. Um, I, I think your big-timers are going are to step up, and we've, I feel like we've had some, and I think we've got some now. Yep. Santana Moss said it best as uh, we take a look at Nebraska coming off of their fourth straight Final Four, national champion runners-up last season, national champs in 2017 as they say goodbye to another USA team member in Michaela Fecky and a fantastic libero, one of the best in the entire nation in Kenzie Maloney. So it, it can't be easy to replace them. 
but locked and loaded once again with Lexi Sun entering her second year of the transfer from Texas, her second season in Lincoln, and another loaded you know, class number two recruiting class according to Volleyball Magazine. The middles in Stiverins and Schwarzenbach are, you know, maybe the two best middles in the nation, if not second best to Stanford out there. And then Nicklin Haynes coming off of an all-freshman team nod, the setter entering her second season from Knoxville. So Nebraska's another one that, you know, they've got to feel like they might have a chip on their shoulder not being picked to win the conference. They were picked to finish second after going 15-5 and five last year, which... You know, some people might say that was a down year for them in the conference, yet they just come back and have a another monstrous run in the tournament to go all the way to the national championship, knocking off Illinois in a classic Final Four meeting as Purdue is going to head back home for a couple days. Kind of the, uh, the theme of this season, a lot of Wednesday-Saturday affairs, especially in a row as we see, you know, back-to-back Wednesday-Saturdays with Indiana Northwestern and then Nebraska, and we see another brand new facility, pretty much a brand new team going to Ohio State and Jeff Carlston's team that has the number four recruiting class, according to Volley Mag, and a team that could not be more different than last year's bunch. Well, you know, last year's team faced a lot of injuries during the course of the season, and um, it it was a tough season for Jeff, who I think is an outstanding coach uh, for Ohio State. He had great success at Ohio University. Uh, in the MAC, and and then got the opportunity to go, uh, you know, down the road to uh, or up up the road to Columbus to work with the Buckeyes, and he does have a plethora of outstanding athletes on that roster. And I know I think he was picked eighth by the coaches. And I again I don't put a tremendous amount of stock in that. Uh, how, how do you how do you evaluate that many different players and? And players who are recovering from injury, and and who, what's the lineup going to be? And, and there's lots of questions that you have to have about all of these teams. But fortunately, we'll get a chance to watch them play many times before uh, we go into their new beautiful facility um, to play. And and again, we talk about these facilities, and Daniel, that's one of the reasons I I feel it's important that we keep our Holloway gym uh, gymnasium relevant, and we've done a great job with that. With adding the air conditioning, which uh, I think makes it a much better environment uh, for our fans. And then, you know, the video boards that are going to, uh, I think, change the culture as well because um, volleyball in the Big Ten is a big deal. And y- you know that when in the next, you know, year and a half, there's going to be three brand-new facilities designed for the sport of volleyball. And we head to one in uh, in Ohio State, and then we come back home to face Iowa on a Friday night, a, uh, a new-look Iowa team that said goodbye to a lot of their offense last year in Taylor Lewis and Reagan Coyle and the libero Molly Kelly, and then Callie Hoy transferred. So they're going to be replacing a big portion of their offense from last year. Vicki Brown is the interim head coach for Iowa, and as you take a look at this team, it's another one where you know you're not 100 percent sure what their lineup is going to say. As you know, outside of their setter and Bree Orr, who had a great match in the five set thrillers, both matches last year against Iowa were five set thrillers. So that's becoming a little bit of a uh, of a gritty matchup here, Coach. I don't mind the gritty matchup as long as we win it in five, but uh, that's not a guarantee you do that when you go to the fifth game. I think Hoy may have just actually retired from playing, um, but she may have transferred. I. I thought I had heard that she just wasn't going to play. She had dealt with some injuries and some things like that. But best of luck to her, um, regardless of what, what her future might be. I like Vicki Brown, uh, the, the new coach there 
at Iowa. I, I don't know if it's a, a contract deal or if it's an interim tag, but uh, she played at Illinois, was a great, great player. We need more women um, you know, coaching uh, at this level, so it's, it's great that Iowa tagged her with, with that job for right now. It's a new-look team. They, they did lose quite a bit. Uh, I'm sure that uh, they'll take the personality of Vicky, which is a competitive, um, hard-nosed, uh, fast uh, style of game. And, uh, you know, we just play them one time. And remind me, is that here? Yep, okay, at home. So we'll so have, we won't, yeah, we won't see. Have the, them here. Uh, we won't make that trip up to uh, Carver-Hawkeye Arena, which, by the way, is not one of my favorites. But, uh, you know, they'll be, a, they'll be a solid team. Yeah, and they're going to be uh, breaking in a new stadium, I believe, when we see them next season. And uh, they have eight freshmen coming in. So both Ohio State and Iowa with massive freshman classes before hosting Nebraska on a Saturday night, hosting Indiana on a Wednesday night. So a little bit of time in between Nebraska and Indiana at home, hosting Minnesota a few days later on a Sunday <laughs> afternoon. So that is, that's a gauntlet there at the end of October and beginning of November. And then we go to Rutgers once again. Rutgers put a little bit of a fight up, winning the uh, first set, I believe, against Purdue last season. First or second set, and then Purdue won three sets to one. They say goodbye to just one player, the uh, McCletchy girl that caused a little bit of drama when we played in Rutgers last year, and a few new freshmen for a Rutgers team that looks to be coming into their own just a little bit more, a lot more experience here with five sophomores. I would venture to say this will be the best Rutgers team that we've seen since they've come into uh, our league. Uh, several international athletes that have stuck around, and uh, they like it there at Rutgers. And uh, I think this is a pivotal year pivotal year for them. And I would not be surprised if, if they don't knock some people off on their home court this year and maybe even go on the road and get somebody. I think it's going to be a much – upscaled team from from what they've had they were young a year ago with those um, international kids and now they've got a year under their belt they know what to expect so I think it will be a good records squad this year 12th season for CJ Wernicke he broke eight school records including the most sets won last year in a six win campaign but still looking for their first conference win since 2016 against Maryland Rutgers on the road of course you know what that means it means Another trip to Rec Hall the next day on November 9th. And last year, one of the most um, iconic games of the entire 2019 season, especially for Purdue, but even in the Big Ten, with you know the bus essentially starting in the third set, seeing a lot of the players uh, sit for a few minutes, Sheridan Atkinson picking up that milestone kill, and then everyone coming back with some vengeance at the end of the third, winning the fourth, winning the fifth. Penn State is a team that's locked and loaded picked fourth in the conference, which is probably, in my opinion, the biggest sentiment to this league because Penn State comes into the national ranking at eighth and yet sits at fourth in the Big Ten with another fantastic recruiting class. Last year, they had eight freshmen. This year, they have six and nine sophomores with Johnny Parker coming back, Serena Gray and Caitlin Horde, all just for their second season with Allison Cathy as well, all of those big boppers. And once again, we see the defensive player of the year in Kendall White as a senior. She will uh, she'll be out for some blood against Purdue, I can promise that. Uh, Penn State's a very dangerous uh, team, especially at Rec Hall. And um, they're, they're going to replace a setter um, out there. And uh, the, both of the two of the most athletic middle hitters in the country will return. And, and Garrell 
as well. So they've got three outstanding middles. I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe one of them get, get pushed to the right side if they move Johnny Parker to the left or – who knows if they run a, a two-setter offense? Russ will have it figured out, uh, especially by what's the date of that contest? November 9th. Yeah, he'll he'll have it figured out by then. I can promise you. And uh, yeah, to think that their uh, Penn State's uh, going to be the fourth best team in this league is is interesting with that type of talent. But they are young, and uh, the league is tough. So, um, but I do like the players on their roster. Uh, but it's it's tough in this league to put a bunch of young players out and expect to go on the road and, and beat the teams that are ranked in the top 10 or top 15. Didn't even, I didn't even mention Johnny Parker, who, who might have been the most impressive freshman on that team last year. And so talking about replacing Wise Kircher, replacing Taylor Leith, replacing Nia Reed, it's going to be interesting because there's, there's a bevy of options for Russ Rose. Gabby Blossom is a second-year setter. She was a top 30 recruit last season. Good player. They bring in a transfer from the University of Miami, a sophomore named Sophie Walls. And then there is a freshman from Windermere, Florida, um, named Emily Orther. So that'll be, you know, that'll be something that I'm sure we'll, we'll have figured out by November. This was a team that I think fans need to recognize was playing at a very high level late in the season. Had some big wins late in the year. And I, if I remember correctly, they played Stanford in the, in the tournament. It might have been in the third round. And we're in a position to take control of the match. This is the Stanford team that everyone expected to win the national championship. They did win the national championship. But I think in a match played, and help me out if I'm wrong, but I thought it was at Stanford. And I think Penn State uh, was in a position to take control of that match. Uh, One-to-one in in games. In the third game, they were in control. And I think it got away from them. But uh, don't take Penn State lightly because they're going to be solid. Yeah, they, they played him in the second round, the eight seed versus the one seed, and uh, Penn State took the first 25-18. They were in position in the second. They lost at 25-23 and then 20-16 and to the defending back-to-back national champs in Stanford. Third round. That was a third round match, not a second round. Excuse me, fourth round match. Fourth, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Elite Eight, I believe. Yeah, that makes sense. So apologies there as then Purdue comes back home to face Ohio State. And then we get to see Maryland for the only time at home on November 16th in the second of a back-to-back with Ohio State and Maryland. And the Terps got themselves a uh, preseason Big Ten nominee in Erica Pritchard, who just you know dominates every year. Last season, she led the conference in aces. The year before, she led the conference in kills per set. Uh, excuse me, last year she led the conference in kills per set. The year before, she led the conference in aces. So that just shows her versatility. And a team that's picked 10th, Always seems to uh, to give Purdue a little bit of trouble. Adam Hughes is a uh, up and coming, fantastic coach who spent some time with Penn State and then at the uh, at the helm with Steve Aird and put together a nine and eleven season to finish eighth in his first year at Maryland. And if Steve Aird showed anything last year, it's how hard it can be to spend a season for the first time with a new team in the conference. And Adam Hughes, you know, did fantastic. He's got Katie Myers coming back for another season. She's a redshirt sophomore for for like the third time. She's got six years of eligibility, and she is a is a player that's played on the uh, the Japan college national team. Pritchard on the outside, and Nicole Alford, the transferred from Georgia Tech, had a good game against Purdue. The setter as only three freshmen for Maryland, so we could see a little bit of familiar faces for the Terps when they come to town. Well, Hughes had to be considered as a coach of the year candidate a year ago for the job that uh, he did, being handed that position. 
after Steve Aird, um, you know, left for Indiana. But Myers is kind of the epitome of that squad. Pritchard probably is the premier athlete uh, on the outside, and she was on the, uh, the the Big Ten All-Star team. But Myers is kind of the, the nuts and bolts of the operation, and she's been through some tough times with a couple of knee surgeries. But, boy, she's got a rocket arm, and, and she really competes out of the Columbus, Ohio area. But that's a good team, and, you know, you look at – this is what's what's almost hard to believe is is I know how good Indiana and Maryland can be and they're ranked tenth and eleventh in in our, in our league going into the season which again doesn't mean a lot uh, but those teams um, are going to be going after everything I mean they're they're just going to play their hearts out and they've got good talent and so our league is just getting better and better uh, every year and this is just going to be such a fun year to sit back and, and let the fur fly. Terps uh, libero Allegra Rivas, I think, is probably one of the most underrated defensive players in the entire conference. She had a bevy of 30-plus dig matches last season, I remember. And then uh, we're going to stay at home on a Wednesday following the Saturday match against Maryland on a back-to-back with Ohio State, a quick turnaround to face Rutgers for the second time. And, Coach, I remember you mentioning that uh, facing Northwestern twice in eight days was going to be interesting. How about hosting Michigan on the 23rd of November and then going to Michigan on the 27th of November and then going to Michigan State right after during Thanksgiving weekend to wrap up the season. That's not the first time we've done that with Michigan. I think that we've had that uh, fall in our lap before. But when you look at that that tail end of the season, we're going to have to make some hay, you know, during that time. I don't know exactly what that means, but, you know, when you get down to – uh, selection Sunday time, you're, you you got to beat some people. And uh, and there will be nothing easy about it. But certainly, um, you know, Maryland is, is, is on that docket. But Michigan is another really good team that, that you know, we kind of had it our way for a while against them. And then uh, they've, they've turned the tide on us the last couple of seasons. And uh, I know that, that they've got a, a solid team once again. Uh, you know, Mark. Every year, Mark's in the hunt. He, he does a really good job. That the, the Rosens are are outstanding coaches, and they've got a great program, and they've got a great team. You know, they lose a great Carly Scott was one of the premier players ever to play at Michigan, and they leaned on her kind of like we leaned on Sheridan Atkinson. So they'll have to have somebody step up. But I know that they're they're finding that person right now who will get the job done for them. So we play them, you know, twice in one week before we finish the season against their friends from East, East Lansing, and that's Michigan State, who, you know, had a very uncharacteristic season a year ago, and I'm sure they're chomping it to bit uh, to, to change that visual thing really, really fast. You talk about having an opportunity to really prove yourself at the end of the season, especially to, you know, not just the national fan base, but the committee as well with your RPI. And last year was a perfect opportunity you know, going on the road against back-to-back top 10 teams, dropping both of them at Wisconsin and Minnesota, losing at home against Nebraska, and then losing on the road at Illinois to wrap up the year probably cost, or I should say definitely cost Purdue an opportunity to host the first two rounds. But Michigan, Michigan's a team that showed that you don't have to play at home to make a run to the Sweet 16. They went to Pittsburgh. They upset the Pitt Panthers. The Panthers. They upset yeah. the Panthers and then played tennis Texas in, in one of one of the – the most fun matches of the year, you know, winning the second set 29-27, losing the third set 29-27, out there in Provo, a tough place to play against the number five team. And Michigan says goodbye to Carly Scott. 
They say hello to the hometown kid that they're very excited for, Jess Robinson, the number eight recruit in the nation. We'll expect to see a lot of her this season. Paige Jones, a second-year outside hitter, um, had a cannon very similar to uh, Caitlin Newton, where every time she touches the ball, everyone kind of gasps. And we'll see uh, we'll see what they end up doing in some other positions. Mackenzie, Mackenzie Welsh is coming back as a senior se- senior setter as they said goodbye to Scott, the starting libero, Jenna Lurg. And then we saw Erin O'Leary in you know an unfortunate situation where she retired after being one of the top recruits in the nation and then almost redshirting last year. They used her a little bit. But, you know, you can never doubt what the Rosens are doing out there. Whatever they do seems to work every well, year. They'll be strong on the outside. Wetterstrom and um, Jones are, are both really quality players that have played a lot uh, in, in their young careers. And then uh, Glavinick, uh, the transfer that came in from, I think, Seattle a year ago, played a lot late in the year. We didn't see, we didn't see much of her, but she played a lot late in the year. And, uh, but she certainly is somebody that they're high on right now so they got a bunch of depth they got a lot of good volleyball players so it will be interesting to see how that all plays out as the season unfolds and then our uh, our final match of the year as we wrap up this uh, special episode it's a little long but you know i know you guys you know you guys want all of the details and we're going to give it to you as as thoroughly as possible so let's break down this michigan state team we saw them on the road last season and they were a little banged up they only said goodbye to one senior. It was it was a, a talented and decorated senior in Maddie Haggerty. But you know, Kathy George welcomes in you know a few transfers, a new class of of three freshmen, including a very talented outside hitter. I'm not sure if she's going to play, but I know she's got a uh, she's got a name that that is fun to say. In Cabin Gelly, you know the the niece of Dikembe Mutombo and the little brother of uh, Mafundu Cabin Gelly, who just went to the NBA from Florida State. So a lot of talent always, you know, a lot of physicality for Michigan State and a transfer setter from Oklahoma in Audrey Alford that we will see, you know, obviously competing with uh, Alana Elena Schlar, who split time as the setter last season. Nia Gross, though, she's one of the uh, she's one of the premier underrated, I thought, freshmen last year in the in the Big Ten, the big middle from New Orleans, who had a, a fantastic match. The whole team struggled against Purdue last year on the road, but Gross was someone who stepped up in the four-set loss. Well, they have some big physical players. That's the way that Kathy recruits. Uh, not a whole lot different than uh, what we like to do in some reg- regard is, is you go out and you find – uh, physical athletes and and try to train the the best that you can so you can match up with the rest of this league and uh, they were just really young a year ago that I mean the reason that they didn't do as well as they they normally have it just so so happened that uh, they were extremely young and she played a lot of a lot of freshmen and now those freshmen are sophomores and as you mentioned she's got a couple transfers that might help out a little bit you got three different setters and they ran a 6-2 a year ago so we'll see what's happening but Kronowski can really pound the ball she's a kid out of the northern Indiana that's a, a fine player uh, Jamie Cox is a, a really quality libero but uh, again who knows what that lineup will be because there's a, a large number of really good players on that roster and um I'm sure that uh, by the time we play them last match of the season, the only time we play them all season, that uh, they'll have it figured out and it'll probably be two teams that are playing for a lot at that point in time. Yep, coming off Turkey Day, spent in uh, in Michigan for the Boilermakers with the Wednesday match at Ann Arbor and then the Friday match at East Lansing. So, Coach, let's hear uh, 
your overall final thoughts about this schedule. I think it's I think it's pretty it's a pretty good schedule. All you know, all things considered, you know, I've talked to a couple people about the different schedules, and I like the way that this one, um, the makeup of it. Well, everybody has, everyone's got problems. It's like I always like to tell everybody. Sometimes you just focus on your problems, but everybody's got problems. So um, the schedule's tough. When you're in the Big Ten, the schedule's tough. You have to make your team as tough as they can be and be prepared to execute and play every match one at a time, every point one at a time, and 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 the results will take care of themselves. But I think what our fans need to understand is, whether they're Purdue fans or Big Ten fans or just volleyball fans, this league is ominous. And not only with the, with the level of players and the level of talent and the history of these programs, but the coaching in this league right now is at an all-time high, in my opinion, in the 17 years that I've been uh, around the Big Ten and in the years before that when I paid a lot of attention to it. So uh, it'll be great fun. And, uh, you know, if you don't have a subscription to, to watch these matches uh, on, on your computer or your laptop or your iPad, whatever it might be, I would encourage you to do it because it's going to be a, an absolute brouhaha this year in the Big Ten, and, and we're looking forward to it at Purdue. Can't wait. Can't wait to uh, dive right into pre-conference play starting in just a few days, September 1st, Sunday at 2 p.m. And you can make sure to uh, listen to that broadcast right on PurdueSports.com. I'll be on the call. Or if you're local, it'll be on uh, 104.3 FM. So that'll wrap up our third episode, this special schedule breakdown of Dig City, a Purdue volleyball podcast. For Dave Shondell, I'm Daniel Gilman. We'll talk to you guys soon.